Welcome to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there is anything in this message that you would like to talk about further, please go to our website, www.cofcpenrith.org. That's www.cofcpenrith.org. Now let's listen to Pastor Dave Crocker. I hope and trust uh, you've had yourself a great week. I love that we get to gather together as church family. Clearly the right side of the room is the place to be this morning and I'm preaching to a whole bunch of empty seats up the middle. These rows aren't uh, poison and I actually preach better when there's people sitting in them. So if you want me to preach poorly, just keep sitting away on the side and hiding. It's on you. I want to thank you on behalf of the elders for everyone who uh, participated in our, our church meetings last Sunday and uh, I really appreciate not just those that are partners that uh, could be here and, and chose to do that and exercise their right to vote but also others that aren't church partners that were around and, and engaged in, in what was going on. You know for some there would have been an incredible sense of excitement about uh, the, the path ahead and for others perhaps some disappointment. There were some no votes. But you know what I found most encouraging? That even though there was a a reasonable portion of people who voted no in the first meeting, when it came to the second part of this process and voting for the the process ahead, almost everybody voted yes. And and what that that spoke to me and what encouraged me the most was voting no in the the first bit, I have no issues with that. But then those the, the change cap, well, the vote's gone through, it's yes, and we're going to support the process moving forward. And I just want to say thank you for that. Thank you for deciding to engage at, at that level in our next steps. And I really do appreciate that. And often when I'm working through something in, in my, my personal world or the church world, one of the things I like to do, and I don't know if you do this, but I actually like to stop and look at my Bible and and some of the stories that are in there are verses about what God might say about a particular situation that I'm going through. Because I'm not naive enough to think that I'm the only one on earth that goes through particular situations and struggles and we're not the only church that goes through situations and struggles. And so I, I look at and trying to discover what God says about a particular situation that I might be facing. You know, that's actually a really good spiritual practice for you to add to your journey. If you're struggling with something, why don't you take the time to look and discover what God's Word says on it? Maybe you've got some financial stresses or some relationship issues. Why don't you take the time to see what God says about the situation you're facing? Maybe it'll change everything. At the very least, you'll perhaps get a different perspective on the situation you may be facing. And it's also consistent with our theme for the year, which was finding true north, centering our lives on God, trying to discover His heart, referencing God in our decision-making, learning to put Him at the forefront of, of our process of working out where we're going and what we're doing. It seems appropriate for me now at the end of this year that that, that was our theme, that, that whole navigating of, of discovering the heart of God, of the, the compassing, and I, I didn't understand or have that in mind perhaps when we started off this year and we were talking working out themes which was about this time last year I couldn't have known that 12 months later we would be kind of here and I like 
that that has been part of our imagery for the year. They're easy words to say, but actually really hard words to live, referencing God into our decision-making, plotting courses ahead, discovering what he has for us. And the way I make it part of my reality is, is discovering God's thoughts on things. So remember, the Bible is, is at its simplest the story of God's people and his relationship with them. Started with Adam and his family and progressed through to this nation called Israel and then through Jesus Christ, all of us received the blessing of being part of the family of God. So I look to learn from the biblical narrative. And when, when it comes to particular journey that we're on as a church right now, where I think we're at and, and what really stood out to me as I went through this process during the week was there's a particular story or event that jumped out at me that has some parallels for where we're at. The reason it works is he's the same God and he tells us this yesterday, today and forever. Principles of God are the principles of God and the parallel for me is a story that, that was over a large portion of the Old Testament, so I, I can't read it all to you today, but most of you will have seen the, the movie Prince of Egypt. If you haven't, go and watch it, great movie. But I, it was the story of leaving one season and entering into a new season and spending this period of time in the wilderness where it was unknown what the next steps would really look like. If you don't know the story, here's a summary. Israel started out in Egypt through a man by the name of Joseph and his family. Joseph was second in charge of all of Egypt under Pharaoh himself and under a new Pharaoh as apparently Joseph's family group were quite fertile. The, the number of them grew dramatically and they became so large rather than just a family grouping, they really became a nation at that time in captivity in Egypt and they were put into slavery because the Egyptians feared what would take place if this group were allowed to continue to, to roam for free in their lands. And after many years, around 400 years, through a man named Moses, again, part of Pharaoh's household, God set them free from slavery and took them on this journey through the wilderness to the promised land. Now, I'm not saying for a moment that we've been in slavery and that we've just entered the desert as with all analogies, there's limits to the, 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 how well they line up with reality. But there were some parts of the story that really began to, to speak to me. So my message today is called Lessons from the Desert. We've left one season. We're living in a period of the unknown before entering the next season. So today I want to start by talking about some of the lessons that I've learned from the people of Israel in their journey in the desert. Firstly, God met them where they were and his timing was perfect. He'd been aware of the abuse they were suffering at the hands of the Egyptians for a long, long time. But he chose to act in his timing. I have a saying that I like to remind myself of. God's timing is perfect. He's never late. He just misses a lot of good opportunities to be early. 
I don't know if you've seen that play out in your life, but I feel like it's played out of mine over and over again. Where God's done the miracle and that's fantastic, but God, why could you have not done it a long time ago when there was a lot less stress and a lot less pain in that journey? But I trust that God has timing in hand. Chatting with Janelle, she's told me that she's been in, in property teams and committees and things for many, many years looking at this side and what to do with it and all those kind of things and investigated selling things before. Why has it not happened before? Well, I'm sure there are plenty of reasons in the natural, but one of them in the spiritual is the timing of God. It simply wasn't the right time. The thing I guess for us to bear in mind is this is not so much of a sale as it is a transfer of ownership from one part of the Church of Christ family to another part of the Church of Christ family with a retirement village being built here on site. It stays in the Fresh Hope family. And that may not ever have been possible until this moment. See, God knew the needs of the people and he provided for them all the way along at just the right time, in just the right way. They spent 40 years wandering around the desert, 40 years of journeying towards the promised land that God had given them. That's a really long time. The days would have been intense and hot and dry. I'm sure they got tired walking through the desert, but God met them them where they were. He made sure they had what they needed and they learned a lot through the whole journey, every hard and gruelling step, they learn how much they need to rely on God. It brings me to my second thought this morning that I learned from their journey is that the promised land, the way, sorry, the way to our promised land is not always easy, but it is worth it. When Pharaoh let the people go, I don't know if you've looked at maps and and thought through this or heard this before, but God didn't lead them on the road that made most sense. He didn't take them right through the, the heart along the desert road, which would have got them to the promised land in approximately 40 days. That was the length of the journey for them to walk, 40 days. God took them around the outside and into the desert towards the Red Sea, and a journey that took a whole lot longer than the most direct route. And there was a really good reason he did that. God knew that if this people who had been slaves faced war along the way because they would have had to go through the land of the enemy, they may have turned around and said, we want to go back. In fact, Exodus chapter 13, you'll find this story that I'm talking about in the book of Exodus this morning. If they, It says this in... Uh, Verse 17 of chapter 13. If they face war, they may change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led them around the desert road towards the Red Sea, hot, dry, barren, with an incredible obstacle looming just ahead of them. I reckon we could just about hear the grumblings beginning as they're walking this path already. They've just come out of Egypt and they know that when they get to where they're going, there's nowhere further to go. They are going to run into the sea. God had promised his people a land that would be full of blessing and it was worth them fighting for. It was worth them enduring. It was worth them taking the journey and going the distance. But the way there 
would stretch their faith and lead them through journeys where they'd have to learn to trust God like nothing else before. So this had been a group of people who had been in slavery for 400 years. Generation after generation after generation existed by doing what the masters had told them to do. When to get up, when to work, when to stop, what to eat. When Their whole life was dictated. They were slaves. Suddenly, they've got their freedom and they're wandering through the desert. They have to learn how to live lives again as free people. They have to learn how to function as a nation for the very first time, how to govern themselves, how to make decisions for themselves. They had to learn how to look after themselves properly with, with medicines and all of the things that the other nations would have taken for granted. This nation had never learnt those things because they'd never been a nation with freedom until that moment. They learned what it was to trust God. And here's the lesson. God is not just interested in the destination. He's interested in the journey. That's a really important thing for us to bear in mind as a church. This is not just about where we end up in the future, what our future facility looks like or our future location looks like. This is about the journey God has us on as a community of faith, as a part of His family, as a body of believers. He has us on a journey and that journey is just as important, if not more important than the destination. Because this building is not the church. You are the church. This is the building that the church of God meets in. At the end of the day, it's a building. We are the church. And the Bible says the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. And I think with prophetic insight around this passage this morning, I would say as a church, this journey in the next few years is incredibly important for us because of what God wants to teach us and show us and the path that He has us to walk in this season. We all know, hopefully, that change happens fastest when we're under pressure. For most of us, we actually need a catalyst for change. There aren't too many mornings I wake up and go, right, what am I changing today? What part of my broken character and sinful life am I changing today? Maybe you're way more spiritual than I am and that's how you start all your days. But it's normally when you're under pressure and something comes up or something comes out of us that we're not real happy with or our heart begins to be displayed that we suddenly realise change needs to take place and it happens fastest under pressure. So we begin a journey towards selling and for some of us, some things in where our heart is truly at may have come to the surface. Maybe you struggle with having faith that God was leading us or maybe you struggle with trusting the elders. Maybe in the next part of this journey, you'll be filled with some struggles. I don't know what may have happened for you in this journey, but I do know some things. So Galatians 5 talks to us about the fruit of the Spirit. Well, it's have a little test this morning. What are the fruits of the Spirit? You're only allowed to answer one, each person. Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, self-control, goodness, 
gentleness. Is that the lot? Did we say, anyone say faithfulness? You missed faithfulness. Pat got faithful. Sorry, I didn't hear you, Pat. Great. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, the fruit of the Spirit. That's the evidence, if you like, of a spiritually mature Christian. Those are the things that are supposed to come out of us as we do this journey of faith and spirituality, as we become more like Christ. We live this journey of transformation, which, by the way, is what most of the New Testament is about, the transformed life of a believer. As we live this life, those are the things that are supposed to come out of us. We're supposed to be people that demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. In other words, the outcome of a Christ-centred life. The Holy Spirit at work in us, and some of that can take years to develop. I look at that list and I regularly get challenged on some things that God's still got to do in my life. The true test of the development of our spiritual maturity, of where we're actually at with all this, is not when life is easy, but when it's not happening how we'd like it to. Don't make a judgment call on where your heart is at on your easiest day. How about you look at some of your hardest days and determine where your heart really is? Did you know that there's another list in Galatians 5? A list that talks about the desires of the flesh. It's a list we don't talk about really very often. In fact, I don't think I've ever preached a sermon on verses 16 to 21. It's a list that shows the opposite of what the fruit of the Spirit is. And sometimes a good way to see where we are with one thing is to consider what it's the opposite of those things are and if there's evidence of that in our life. So let's Delve into the depths for a moment of Galatians 5, 16 to 21. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do whatever you, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envies, and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. So there's this conflict that exists inside us. The Spirit of God and the desires of the flesh. It's this war that is waging inside spiritual people all the time. The battle for the Spirit of God or our human desires, which one are we going to go with? Which way is it going to play out? Where are we adding that sort of thing? It reminds me of Romans chapter 9, which is one of the messiest chapters in the entire Bible to get our head around. But it says, I do not do the things that I want to do, but the things that I want to do, I do not do. So we have this conflict between our spiritual nature and our human desires. By the way, that word witchcraft there, witchcraft was not a concept that they had 
back in those days, what it's referring to, it's the same root word that we get our word pharmacy from. It's talking about the, the use of what was common in, in pagan practices, the use of pharmaceuticals, of controlling people through chemicals and altering of the mind. So it's, it's referencing controlling of people. It's referencing drug use. It's, it's a, it was seen as a pathway towards the demonic, which is where the concept of witchcraft was built in when it, we started having English translations. We might not see a whole lot of witchcraft and idolatry and fits of rage and orgies today. Hopefully not in church, that's for sure. But some things can show up and often do keep showing up. Dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, selfish ambition, discord. As a church, as we move forward, we must be intentional about developing the fruit of the Spirit. We must be actively watching for evidence of the flesh nature at work in us and not giving it room to grow. If there's a conflict in us, as this verse talks about, then we're not always going to get it right. We're not always going to be the kind of people that perhaps we would hope deep down inside that we would be. There's a pretty strong warning at the end of that passage for people who intentionally live in the flesh at the expense of the Spirit of God. Let me give you some encouragement. God's grace is sufficient for you. The first steps towards change is recognition. And God wants us to become more like Jesus and he invites us on this lifelong journey of transformation. We too often face these journeys as God leads us into our own promised land. Maybe as individuals, you feel like the blessing has been too long in coming. Maybe you feel like giving up. Be assured again that God is faithful, that he uses all things to strengthen our faith and bring goodness to his people. Stay strong, keep pressing through. His timing is perfect. He is never late. He just misses a lot of good opportunities to be early. We sang about it this morning, the reckless love of God. Another thought this morning is God will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. This is taken from Exodus 13, 18. So God led the people around the desert towards the Red Sea. As they got closer to that sea, it was getting bigger and bigger and more obviously deeper and deeper. And it was an obstacle that would seem impossible for them to overcome. Their eyes focused on the problem that lay before them and they forgot about the bigness of their God who had gone before them and set them free from slavery already. But God did not forget about them. He split the sea in two so that the people of God walked through on dry land and it actually consumed and destroyed the enemies that were chasing them. God had rescued his people from the biggest obstacle they had ever faced. It was just the beginning of his miracles. Here's the lesson for us. Even if the way he's leading doesn't seem to make much sense, and his timing seems off or the wait feels long, and our wandering in the desert places is the last thing we want to do, we can trust him always. He knows our way. He sees the big picture. He has good in store for us. And though it may not be what we have chosen or how we would have accomplished things, we can thank him for his sovereignty, for his care over us, 
and His powerful leadership. If God has chosen a path for us to walk, we can trust that He's chosen it for a reason. And if there's nothing else that we can learn in this journey, I think we could learn faith. I think it's something we're probably going to spend a little bit of time talking about moving forward. God operates in the realm of faith. It's His domain. The best outcome in all of this could be building our faith. I want to learn to be a person of faith while I don't need to be so that I've got faith when I need it later on. I want to learn to be a person of faith in the little things so when it comes to the big things in life, I know what it is to trust God. I love praying for people that are sick and I've laid hands on many, many people over the years and seen God do some incredible things. I had a friend who was booked in for surgery a week later whose knee had been wrecked. It was all bandaged up and we're praying for him at a camp. And as we're praying, I felt God say to me, just get him walking. And I'm like, no, that's stupid. He's got a bust up knee. He's not supposed to be walking. God's get him walking. So I started helping this guy as he was limping along and, and, and I got him walking up and down. And then there was a couple of minutes later, I said, mate, you just keep walking. I'm carrying on with this meeting. About 20 minutes later, I hear this eruption of noise from the back of the room and Here's this guy running around the room, jumping up and down, his knee completely healed. God did an incredible miracle that day. You know, I would never have had the faith to pray for him if I hadn't started praying for headaches years and years before. That's where I started. God, I want to be a person of faith. God, I want to see people healed. God, I don't know what you can and can't do, but I'm going to start praying for every time I find someone with a headache, I'm going to lay hands on them and pray for them to get healed. That's where I started. That's what life looked like for me as I was growing in this stuff and going, God, I believe you're a God of miracles. I want to see miracles. I didn't start with someone with cancer or that needed surgery. I started learning to trust God in little things so that when I needed to trust God in the big things, I was ready to go. My encouragement for you this morning, learn to trust God in little things. Pray for little things so that your faith can continue to be built so you know what it is to trust God when you need Him. I don't want the first prayer I ever pray for a miracle being when one of my children need it to have save their life. I don't want that to be the first prayer I'd ever prayed. I want to trust God in the little things. And if we can learn to trust God in this journey, see, faith is what separates us from the world around us. Plenty of people can run the numbers and look at the detail, look at the market, decide if something makes sense logically. But can we then say, I trust God even when it doesn't make sense, when it shouldn't work? And I suspect that many of us in coming years will learn to trust God and be people of greater faith. By the way, for some of you older people in the room, faith can get harder as you get older because you've got a lot more experience and a lot more wisdom to draw on Sometimes it's harder to step into that realm of faith. It's easier when you feel like you haven't got a whole lot to lose. It can get harder as life progresses and faith is something that we have to grow in every season of our life. I can't rely on the faith that I had as an 18-year-old in this stage of my life because my life is different now. I've got to continue building faith. God will lead us day and night. By day the Lord, this is Exodus 13, 21, by day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night a pillar of fire to give them light. God never left his people alone in the journey. 
His presence was always there, a reminder to them that they hadn't been left on their own in the wilderness. Worship Timmy, come join me. Why was there a cloud? Well, God's presence hovered in this cloud. Desert's a hot place. Perhaps during the day, not only was his presence in the cloud, but perhaps that cloud provided relief from the heat of the sun. Why was there fire, a pillar of fire at night? Well, what does a fire do in the desert? It provides heat, it provides a source of light. God was not only leading them, he was providing for them in the midst of that journey continually. And God will not leave us fend for ourselves, struggling to find our way. He will lead us. He promises to be faithful. We may not see him in a pillar of cloud or fire these days, but we have his word and the Holy Spirit to give guidance to our lives. He is with us. He gives us wisdom. He provides direction. So never have, we never have to fear of being left to our own to figure things out. He goes ahead of us. He walks with us. And he guards our way from behind. His word gives truth and life. It shows us the way to walk in this world. Let me finish by summarising like this. We're on a journey. And the journey is as important as the destination. God is with us. He will lead us and protect us. You can apply that in your personal world. We can apply that in our church world. This is one of those personal applications and corporate insight moments. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Penrith Church of Christ. If there was anything in this message that you would like to talk further about, please go to our website on www.cofcpenrith.org. www.cofcpenrith.org.